What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I am the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. This week, we're going to be talking about the UFC 276 card going down this weekend, headlined by two title fights, Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier in the trilogy between Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway. Great fight card, top to bottom. Excited for this pay-per-view, Ozzy. It's good to be back, as always. How are we doing this week, my man? I'm fucking pumped. Love this fight card. Probably my favorite, you know, looking at it, like just top to bottom stacked. Um, obviously, last week was was a great card as well, I felt. Um, main event was amazing. That's the kind of fights that I love. Um, and, you know, Gambron came through with a, with a great win, you know, to put on his resume. But I just thought top to bottom it was awesome. And I th- think this one is great. And I just think July as a whole, um, the matchmakers, you know, and everyone there at the UFC uh, done a good job. And uh, I think we should have great fight cards, you know, for, you know, you got the London event at the end of the at the end of the month. You got the Long Island event. I just think, you know, and even next week with Fiziev and, um, and RDA. So, you know, uh, July should be a very, very good month. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at a lot of uh, future lines as well. So I'm definitely excited. You know, Q2 was the da- a down uh, uh, quarter for, for me. And uh, glad to put that uh, put that in a rear view. And uh, we're going to the second half of the year, uh, starting with this card. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't realize that we're done with that quarter. Um, I lost on the last card, uh, 3.8 units, uh, dropped to a ne- negative on the year on official track bets. Uh, I mean, thank God for fucking live betting uh, or else this year would be really bad. If you're not already, join the the spaces. Uh, for pretty much every card, we're going live on spaces on Twitter, talking about live bets and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. UFC has been putting on some good fights lately. The matchmaking has been solid. Back to back, really good fight night, five round main events. Uh, this card's looking good. The next couple fight night main events are looking good. Uh, I'm excited to be going to the Long Island card in a couple of weeks. So, you know, things are looking up. Um, and, you know, this pay per view is really solid. Um, just before we go on, uh, Aussie, quick recap of last week. It was a good, good week for you. Yeah, very good. Swept the board, you know, three straight picks, uh, Parisian, Morozov, and uh, Batista, 3.73 uh, up. And then I ended up having, I mean, I had a bunch of other, you know, plays. I just, I kind of wanted to be like, all right, like I got to get a winning week in, in the books here. But obviously Gamera was, was, was great there at the end. But I mean, I think all the, all the, all the reads last week were very, very on point. And uh, I d- definitely think uh, there's been Good overall, so hopefully we keep it rolling and uh, you know stay focused. And you know I think the uh, the profitability will uh, will increase and uh, we'll get right back uh, to having a solid year by the uh, by the, by the time it all wraps up. Sounds good. Let's talk some fights. So the first fight on the card, women's 135 division, Jessica Rose Clark taking on Julia Stolyarenko. JRC getting steamed here as the favorite, minus 180, plus 155 on Stolyarenko. So, I mean, this line opened, you know, briefly, plus 175 for Clark. Then it got to pick him for like a couple days, like, you know, weeks back. People were talking about this fight at pick him. And then it's gotten all the way steamed to minus 180. I mean, just steady action on Rose Clark man uh i'm i'm off of rose clark i mean if you guys listen to the last fight you know we we had a good read on the fight ozzy obviously nailed it you know back in edgar in that spot i said i'm passing on rose clark i said i won on her fights recently but i'm done with her because she looked in that edwards fight to be you know just like on her way out i still found a way to lose money on that fight uh going the decision versus edgar um 
But I mean, Rose Clark, man, it, it, her decision making is not there. Apparently, she she uh, asked um, somebody, uh, you know, in the MMA Twitter space to give her a game plan for the fight. They said, avoid grappling, avoid clinching. That's the only way Edgar wins this fight. Use your striking to win the fight. And within 30 seconds, she is the one initiating the grappling, getting uh, judo throwed, getting arm bar, just no resistance to that arm bar. Um, and, you know, Jessica Rose Clark is, you know, in a bit of a, a head case stage of her career right now. Uh, uh, her she did get that knee surgery after the Alpar fight too. Very relevant. Tore her ACL, and it, you saw in that Jocelyn Edwards fight, this woman is just not really confident in her striking anymore. She used to be a predominantly a striker. Now that confidence in her mobility is just gone, and she loves to grapple. Now she's fighting Stoliarenko, who uh, is a fight a woman whose fights typically involve a lot of grappling. She gets taken down a lot, but she attacks with arm bars off her back. And she's just a, uh, you know, a scrappy veteran. You saw her uh, lose round one to Alexis Davis, come back and outstrike Alexis Davis to a round two uh, winning uh, round there. So I just feel like Stoli Ranko can make it scrappy. She can maybe attack some arm bars. I think she could possibly win the striking at this point in their career. And she's just a, a, a zombie lady. And another thing is Rose Clark doesn't finish anybody. She had 13, 14 minutes of top time on Edwards, didn't finish, was never close to finishing. And uh, I, I mean, she did finish Sarah Alpar technically, um, but I just think that she's not getting Stoliarenko out of there and it's going to be a tough 15 minutes. And as we've seen lately, these women's underdogs are just the spots to be on when they're going to decision. These rounds are toss ups. Uh, you know, uh, Demopolis last week's a great example. Um, so Stoliarenko is the side here. Um, I probably talked about that fight for too much, too, too long, but I'll pass it over to you, Ozzy. Well, I'm going to probably do the same here. So. I mean, I just feel looking at this fight, knowing both of these women that, I mean, this line is insane, I feel, because Jessica Rose Clark, like, you know, obviously she's got, you know, double D tits. She's kind of hot, has an Australian kinda. accent, right? Kind of hot. I mean, you know, uh, different people have different tastes. So I just will put the kind of, she's hot. for me, she's hot. And, you know, aesthetically, even when she is, uh, you know, in the cage and on her feet, right? Her striking, it looks better than Solia Rankles aesthetically, right? But I think this is the trap that people fall into with women's MMA because they think, like, similar to you, right? Or not to single out, but the GDP fight, right? GDP, way cleaner striking. Maria Oliveira, it looks awful. It looks not, you know, uh, technically correct, you know, but at the end of the day, it's something that can, it could be put into a winning formula in women's MMA. And I think that people like overrate like, oh, you know, Solirenko is sloppy, Jessica Rose Clark, you know, her punches are, you know, cleaner, her angles are cleaner. But for me, from looking at her, it does not look like this girl really wants to get into scraps, get into fights. Um, you know, the the uh, fight against uh, Edwards, yeah, she found that, okay, this girl cannot defend the takedowns or the groundwork or whatever it is. But even when they were at range, like it just felt to me like, all she wanted to do was grapple because she didn't want to be at the, you know, on the outside, you know, at all. And all the punches that she threw to me had no commitment on them and no intent on them. Um, and even with the takedowns, like, yeah, the takedowns were solid, but she doesn't land any strikes while mounted, while on top guard. She, she, or her total strikes in that, 
in that fight where she had dominant ground control for multiple minutes. She landed like 18 strikes over the whole course of the fight. And the same thing happens against Egger, where you you mentioned, you know, she went to the clinch. And, you know, she said, oh, it was a bad decision. No, it was not a lapse of judgment. Because not only does she grab the clinch, right, initiate it, but they stay in the clinch for like two minutes. Nothing's happening. Nothing. Nada. And then they separate and she goes right back to the clinch and, you know, gets thrown, right? She got thrown two times, right? So it was only one time. She got thrown two times. And I think the main thing is that this girl does not want to be at range. She does not want to be in a gritty fight. And if she's going to go for takedowns and go into the into the uh, realm where Soliorenko is definitely superior, like this girl, I think, I don't know if it's a Haja Gracie black belt, but she's a black belt. She's, you know, from Lithuania. <laughs> but, I mean, the girls, I think... Her groundwork, her guard game is not bad. Like, obviously, you know, I don't want her, you know, being stuck. Like, let's say Melissa Gatto, similar, similar, uh, you know, story with her where she was just going for the arm bars. But I feel this is very similar to that Karolina Kovakiewicz versus Jessica Penne fight where these girls are going to fucking grapple. And Jessica Rose Clark is not, does not make good decisions. And that is one of the most important things in grappling, especially with a submission hunter like Stolyarenko. So I cannot see why people will be very confident in Rose Clark and betting her to this extent. Like, I, I got a few guys I know that, you know, they bet at 110, 115, 120, 125. Okay, I guess, because the meta and her approach is more, um, you know, is more likely to win decisions than Nestoli um, Renko. But I don't really, I just don't think that matters, man, because, like, she doesn't score. Like, if you just think about, like, scoring criteria, like... You know, she's not passing Soliorenko's guard like she was uh, Edwards. So Soliorenko might just be able to hit her from the bottom and win the fight. Don't you agree? Like, is that not uh, possible? Yeah. So she'll, she'll land, but, you know, these the judges, the, the, they might not recognize it. Maybe, dude, but it's, uh, it's, like, very, very apparent that this girl's not putting in work when she's on top. So, like, if it's, like, somewhat close and this girl's throwing up the... I mean, she almost armbarred Alexis Davis. Alexis Davis is a legend of women's MMA in comparison to Jessica Rose Clark. And, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand this. I'm going to be on Soliorenko probably for more than more than uh, just a unit. And, and yeah, I mean, if Rose Clark is going to beat me, she's going to win the decision or turn back the clock and, you know, be way more aggressive and, and show uh, her pre-ACL injury self, you know, cool. But I'll take the girl who's going to get the fight that she wants or could force the kind of fight that the other girl does not want. So give me Soliorenko, official play, official bet, official pick, official lean. Sounds very good. And uh, the past three women's MMA dogs uh, all won. Um, so we're, we're on a here here. The, these these women's MMA dogs are the side to be on. That's some hard hit. I can't now. believe people will look at this and not want to bet Soliorenko. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, that was some hard hitting analysis from both of us there. I mean, low level fight, but we 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 dove deep into that one. Next fight, also women's fight. Uh, let's get them all out of the way on these first two fights. I really like this <laughs> fucking formula the UFC's got going on. We got Jessica Evil Eye taking on Macy Barber. Macy Barber, as always, huge favorite, minus two eighty two. Jessica I plus two forty two. Another fight with a ton of steam. I mean, just a week or two ago, this was under two to one for Jessica I. Uh, she's plus one eighty plus 170 just about a week or two ago and now she's all the way up to 242 so uh, uh what are you thinking about this uh big favorite in uh, women's mma here ozzy yeah 
I was ignoring this fight mostly for the week, um, just because I, you know, it just wasn't an it, it isn't an interesting fight to me overall. Um, but I mean, this price is pretty crazy, just in the fact that you know we're in a big cage here, right? Obviously, we both took an L against Macy Barber when she fought Montana, but you know, in that fight, it was uh, fought mostly in the clinch, right? Because uh, Montana, right? That's where kind of, not that that's where she wanted to be. But she wanted to be grappling overall. And, you know, Macy did a really good job of being in the clinch, being busy, you know, throwing the elbows, you know, being just very aggressive, you know, with her striking in there. But Jessica is more in the mold of a girl that she's fine with, like, a gritty fight, right? You saw her face in her last fight against Maya. It was crimson, right? You know, a massive cut on her head. Um, and, you know, just thinking about this fight as in – as uh, Macy Barber, her decision line is minus money, right? But her money line is 282. You know, I'm just kind of thinking that Jessica I could potentially make this fight closer than people anticipate. Um, now, uh, I don't think I's fought many Southpaws, which is a little interesting to me um, coming in here against Macy. But just Macy's range striking, it just, I've never been a fan of it. And I don't know if she's actually going to look to proactively grapple other than, you know, grabbing the clinch. Um, and, you know, I mean, if if your path to victory is, you know, dirty boxing in the clinch, I just don't really like you as a favor overall, especially in fight against like a girl like Jess Guy, who has a lot of experience in three round, three round fights, obviously going to decision, you know, very often she's not like, you know, she doesn't need takedowns to win. And I think she probably I mean, I'm not saying she's for sure a superior range striker, but the range striking has to be kind of close. This is women's MMA overall here. Um, so, I mean, I got to lean towards the Jessica I price here and probably, you know, put in a small bet on her because, you know, being 30% against Missy Barber, a girl who, you know, she, she looks like her range striking is not there. She doesn't really mix it up uh, all that well from the outside. And like I said, I don't know if she's really going to shoot takedowns here, but I could look horrible, but honestly, even in her fights that she's lost, like her last few fights, she hasn't really looked horrible like you uh i know you you probably felt that she won the jennifer maya fight and i remember plenty of people betting her against joanne calderwood i was not one of those people but i mean and that was a range kickboxing fight so i gotta lean with jessica i and uh you know i think she potentially could get the win here but you know i'm not gonna you know i don't think that she will but i mean the 242 prices i mean how much further can it go like i wouldn't bet macy barber minus 240 so I, I think the value here, probably a significant amount, uh, is on just guy. Yeah, you had a lot of good points there. I mean, we did de definitely, you know, uh, lose and predict, you know, Barbara's last fight incorrectly. Um, but, you know, this is a whole different matchup. Uh, I mean, just guy, you said she might. I'm saying she definitely does have the better distance striking uh, than Barbara. I mean, Barbara's distance striking consists of, of, you know, circling around the cage. She does a ton of circling. And then she every now and then she settles her feet. She throws like a sloppy one-two. And, you know, when the fight is just at distance, she's just uncomfortable striking. Even the times when we've seen her have success striking, it's coming forward and like winging big, you know, looping punches and finishing. Finishing Aldrich and Robertson and Hannah Cyphers and stuff like that. But, you know, since uh, Roxanne really took her soul back in the day, her striking just hasn't been the same. She was getting outstruck by uh, Miranda Maverick on the feet. Alexa Grasso obviously lit her up. Uh, and 
Barbara's just not comfortable at, at distance. But what I don't love is she doesn't also hang out at distance. She never like stays in the same place. She's always moving. You know, she, she is a decent athlete and can, you know, risk mitigate her way into winning these fights which is you know very unfortunate from a viewing standpoint and you know as you saw in that de la rosa fight all she does is clinch she just wants to clinch and um put you against the cage land a few needs i mean she clearly did beat montana in all those rounds um by clinching uh, I just think that I's a lot, you know, a lot tougher of a veteran to get in those clinch positions. And I think that she'll be, you know, possibly be able to reverse some of these positions. And I just trust I to make it scrappy, man. She's been in the UFC for what, seven, eight years. She's been a ton of decisions against good fighters. Um, you know, Chukagian, uh, Viviana Araujo, you know, two women she has wins over. So I don't think this is anything that new to her um, in Barber here. And I's last fight against, uh, um, Jennifer Maya just last year, I thought she looked good in that fight. I mean, she looked like a, a veteran striker in that fight and, uh, you know, had a good case for winning it. So, uh, you know, we're always going to be Macy Barber haters on the on this uh, podcast. Uh, but, you know, even at this line, I just think it's it's nuts to put a, a eye here at 242. So got to have a small bet on her. Enough of that one. Moving on to a middleweight division fight. We have Uriah Hall taking on Andre Muniz. Muniz is the favorite, minus 330. Uh, uh, Hall plus 270. So another story, this has been the kind of the story, a lot of these fights, the line movement on this line has been just nuts. I mean, two weeks ago, the line is sitting at minus 240. And now we're sitting at minus 330. And it's just I mean, it just keeps going. I mean, uh, just last Wednesday. So we're, we're recording this Wednesday night. Last Wednesday night, it was minus 260. Now minus 330. Um, so the people are just betting Muniz like, like, there's no tomorrow. I mean, throw him in parlays, everything like that. His sub line is minus 110. Obviously, people are thinking he takes this guy down and submits him. And that's what Muniz has been doing to his past few opponents. But think about it, guys. The last time he's had a difficult fight was the Arroyo fight, which was an ugly decision where neither guy looked good in the later rounds. He has submitted three people in a row. But let's not... You know, completely, you know, uh, ignore the fact that if he doesn't get this round one submission, is are we sure he's going to look good in these later rounds? Because there really isn't much evidence to suggest so. Uh, and I think against you know, a seasoned veteran like Uriah Hall, a guy who's been in a lot of similar matchups to this, uh, you know, uh, most notably the Antonio Carlos Jr. matchup, an, another very similar uh Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, black belt, high-level submission grappler, who also has some decent wrestling to go along with it. He got control, got his back taken, got taken down in that fight, and still gutted out a win because he knows how to, uh, you know, uh, defend back takes. He doesn't, you know, go for anything crazy. He he stays tight. He defends, and then when he's on the feet, uh, this guy, you know, he hits hard. He he knows how to make the most of his striking exchanges when the fight is on the feet. So Muniz has a clean double leg early. You know, we saw him hit some takedowns. He looks good early. I think he probably will take Hall down early, and he will get some dominant positions. Might even submit him in the first round here. But if this fight gets out of round one, I think Hall's got a really good chance at, you know, uh, you know, showing um, Muniz a little bit of a vet lesson here, taking him late into this fight, and uh, maybe even uh, making it all the way to a decision. The fight going the decision is plus 350 here, man. That is, that's a crazy line. I mean... Even if uh, 
you know, Mooney's uh, Mooney's obviously has a great chance to submit him, but I mean, Hall, I think could, uh, you know, outstrike him to a decision or some sort. I think the fight going the decision is, uh, is big value here. And, uh, you know, hopefully Mooney's doesn't just run through him and submit him in round one. I mean, obviously he's a legitimate dangerous submission grappler. He's been doing some sick stuff on the mat lately, but, uh, I don't think he's just going to be, you know, continuing to get these easy round one submissions. Eventually he's got to uh, run into some adversity and plus two seventy for Hall is a good enough price to you know pay to see some of that yeah i uh i definitely agree um with the overall sentiment um you know uh muniz is on a you know great win streak here i think that's what one two three four five six eight in a row um with a number of submissions uh you know on that record you know there are a bunch of finishes um and the guy's a killer man but i mean the dude's also been knocked out four times right he's got four l's four knockouts and I know Uriah Hall knows how to knock people out. Um, you know, if you look at the Bartos Fabinski, you know, fight, like, you know, Fabinski takes him down, right? And then, you know, he gets armbarred. I mean, I love guys that armbar people. And I love girls, too. Solyarenko, my girl, before. Um, but, I mean, I just, it's so tough for me to come come to here, come, come here and, uh, you know, uh, rationalize the reason that Muniz's line is this crazy because, you know, Uriah Hall, I mean, he's a little mentally weak, all these kind of things. But, I mean, he has to be going into this fight with some confidence that he's going to be able to take this hype from this guy um, if, if he's been training any of his takedown defense at all. Like, you know, Hall's pretty good at, you know, he'll throw the straight front kicks up the middle. You know, he's got a long jab, right? He's got like a, you know, a close to 80-inch reach. I mean, Muniz has a, you know, long, long reach as well. But, I mean, you know, his last three fights, like, he's fought Strickland, Weidman, and Anderson Silva, man. And he just has, like, great, great power. And I think, like you said, if Muniz, you know, starts slowing down, man, like, Uriah Hall is going to be on the attack, you know, at some point. Because Muniz is the kind of guy, like, I don't think he's got cardio like Hadolf, like cardio like Hadolfo showed, right? Like an improvement. I don't see an improvement like that coming because of, you know, his fights have just been ending so early. And, you know, I just, I think that if he starts slowing down at all, we're going to start seeing guard pulls, right? Like, you know, going for a single leg pulling guard. And I think Uriah Hall potentially could end up finding the kill switch. Um, but Muniz, he's been showing improved wrestling, great timing, you know, but I think the, you know, I think maybe the age factor has people, um, people leaning towards a uh, fading hall. Um, also his stats probably look uglier after that Sean Strickland, you know, fight where, where he just got volumed up, but the guy went five rounds there. And I mean, I got to play Uriah Hall here. Like he's got, he has a pretty decent floor with like the, just being able to knock dudes out. And the fact that if the fight gets extended, you're kind of thinking that either Hall has neutralized the grappling or like Muniz is just like he just completely unsuccessful. Like maybe he just stops trying and, you know, he ends up getting uh, getting outstruck. So this is a very interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it playing out. But uh, but I'm leaning I'm, I'm leaning towards like like just like the earlier ones, like putting the bet on Hall. I might make a crazy round robin of a bunch of underdogs. It could be square. But, I mean, this is just way too much line movement in uh, Andre Muniz's favor. Like, Uriah Hall is a way bigger underdog than even Eric Anders was. So, I don't I don't get it, but we'll see. But I'm taking Hall. Yeah, I mean, 
I think the the biggest point here is just like the most relevant matchup we have is Antonio Carlos Jr. And we saw her Hall survive back takes for like seven, eight minutes in that fight. We saw him win that decision. Um, so uh last thing I'll say is Hall knockout two plus twelve hundred, Hall knockout three plus two thousand. Uh so some good juicy props there. Moving on, next fight in the uh, middleweight division as well. Uh we have Brad Savaris taking on Driscus Duplessis here, and the odds have Duplessis as the favorite at minus one forty-four. Tavares plus one twenty-four. Another fight with some significant line movement. Uh pick'em uh, odds, you know, maybe even uh Duplessis as the underdog two weeks ago. Now all the way down as the favorite to minus 145. Uh, Ozzy, I'll let you start this one off. I know you're looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of DDP, Dricus Duplessis. Um, I think this guy's solid. And I think in his last fight, or I know in his last fight, he showed um, a little bit more of his game where he, you know, he got the takedown on, you know, Officer Giles and then decided to turn him off uh, later in the fight. Um, but I think, I mean, he's just unorthodox. Like, like it's similar to the Solyarenko thing. Like, I mean, the guy does not look clean, you know, uh, you know, on the feet, um, right. He's kind of a little clunky, right. He's very bulky. Um, but I mean, he strings, you know, strikes together pretty well. He finds the chin very often, right. It's not an accident that he, you know, he found the chin of Marcus Perez somehow. And I was on Marcus Perez in that fight. But it's not an accident he fought, found his shin. It's not an accident he fought. He found uh, Trevin Giles' shin. And it wasn't an accident when he uh, found Roberto uh, Stolcic's shin. So, I mean, the guy goes boom, boom. Um, I heard uh, potentially a little rumor about maybe Brad Tavares getting hurt a little bit in training. I don't know. Um, could coincide with why Chris Curtis is talking about, you know, being on the card. I don't know. Um, but overall, I mean, I understand. I'm not going to say I understand the line movement because I haven't spoke to anyone that has said that they really like Drickus. Like more people like the steadiness, well-rounded game uh, of Brad Tavares, right? He's going to come out there. He's in the jab. He's in a low kick. He'll land his left hook every now and then, you know, and he's got great cardio as well. Um, and he's more of a meat and potatoes fighter while Drickus is kind of like, he's, he, he's more chaotic. He likes when the fight is chaotic, when, you know, you don't really know if he's going to go for a takedown or what, or if he's going to strike with you or go to the clinch or all these things, Brad, I'm pretty sure wants to fight this fight at range. Doesn't really want to mix it up in the grappling, but he's a solid grappler. Overall, Brad is a solid fighter, but he's 34 years old. Um, he's got Got a lot of miles on him, right? He 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 had a, a bunch of injuries here in the past. But I'm not gonna argue if anyone that says, hey man, you know, Brad Tavares, 45%, you know, I'm getting a plus 125. Like that has to be a bet for me. I understand it personally. I like Drickus. I'm picking Drickus, you know, to win this fight. You know, I don't know how it's gonna go. I don't know how he's gonna win it, right? He's a very, very um um spontaneous, you know, guy, right? The fight could end at any moment. Uh, with him, I'm confident in saying, right, the KO line's at plus 200 here. I think for a reason, take the hint. Um, but, you know, I'm going to pick him. I'm not going to bet him. You know, I only got, I've got like a tiny, tiny bet on him, like at, at even money. Um, not adding anything, though, here. I'm going to just sit back, enjoy it. Hopefully, there's a live bet opportunity here. Um, the over here is at two and a half. Kind of interesting to me. I think I actually like um, the fight to be inside the distance which is basically the same thing it's almost uh it's minus 120 minus 108 on FanDuel 
I kind of like that because Brad's shown that he's sitting down on his shots a little bit more. I think he wants to make a statement as well, right? He could potentially get a top 15 uh, ranking. And this guy doesn't have time to sit around and wait. So I think he, I mean, the funny thing is, Brad, his last two wins, Omari and uh, ACJ, they're fighting for a million dollars in PFL, and he's got to fight fucking Drickus Duplessis on the prelims. So I think he's got something to prove, <laughs> right? It's fucking hilarious, dude. But I think he's got something to prove, so I might have a little stab on the uh, fight doesn't go the distance. Um, yeah, so I, I like Brad in this matchup. Um, you know, Driscus obviously does have some, some pretty fight-changing power. Um, the guys, I would say his striking it is on the uglier side, but it's effective. I mean, you really can't argue too much about the technique. I mean, if it's effective and he's hurting dudes and putting guys to sleep, I mean, that's, you know, what really matters at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, though, you know, Duplessis is past you know his wins in the ufc you know perez and, and giles you know kind of known for being like dumb you know opponents right i mean those guys have a lot of moments where like they've been winning fights and they lose in pathetic fashion i mean they're just kind of known for being you know mid-tier dumb guys while Tavares is like a, a steady like 15 ranked guy for a while now i mean he's been like the 15 ranked middleweight for like five years straight honestly um and uh you know he, his ufc record 14 and 4 12 and 3 in decisions so i mean the guy has a wealth of experience and i mean to me he he He's a skill fighter everywhere. I mean, he, he knows how to strike really well. I, I like his jab and his leg kick on the feet. He's a, a, a really solid defensive grappler. I mean, you saw the ACJ fight recently. He stuffed every one of his takedowns and just been a, a career tough guy to take down and hold down. And then his past two wins, you know, they're aging well. I mean, like Ozzy was just mentioning, Omari and, and ACJ having success over there in PFL. They're both at 205 now. They both moved up, not having to cut weight. Um, but it's, I mean, I think Tavares' past two wins are much more impressive than uh, Duplessis's past two wins, um, you know, comparing them. And then, you know, this matchup, um, I see, you know, I see them striking for the majority of times. I think Duplessis might look in a wrestle here, but I don't think he'll have much success. Maybe he'll get like a big slam takedown at, at times. Um, but I don't think he's going to keep Brad down. And then the striking, I just see it being really close. I see Brad as the more technical guy who can possibly build in the fight uh, better with that leg kick, maybe limiting the movement of Duplessis. But I'm also not ignoring Duplessis' ability to steal these rounds. I mean, the guy is the more powerful guy. What I was just mentioning, a big takedown. So if it's a close round, it's either guy's round the last minute. I mean, I'm going to be nervous as a guy picking Tavares because I think at any moment, Duplessis can you know string together a big combo or try to go for a takedown and he can steal that round back. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll be picking Brad here. Um, and then I'm, I'm a little conflicted on whether to bet him before the fight or look to live bet. Uh, you know, I could see DDP's best round being his round one. And if he can survive that, the fight should be good. But a bet that, that, I, that goes against my pick is uh, for a, the decision only market here on DraftKings. They have Duplessis decision only at plus 150. So the most likely outcome, according to the odds, are Duplessis KO. In that situation, you get your money back. And then. Like I was just mentioning, if he these this fight is not going to be minus two hundred for Tavares if it gets to the decision, he's always in close decisions. So I feel like they're they're discrediting Duplessis' chance to win a decision here. I don't think he's ever won by decision, right, Ozzy? So they're kind of seeing that and writing him off. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not writing this off being his first decision win if possible. Is is that true, Ozzy? Or did I make that up? Trick is, yeah. I mean, the guy's a finisher. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he's got a single win by decision. Yeah. 
But he has round three, and I don't think his cardio is particularly bad either. I mean, no, this guy's um, in shape. but yeah, that, good fight. I mean, first four fights, I'm pick, I'm leaning towards the. These dog guys are kind of similar guy. to me, in my opinion. I don't know. I I like, but do you like the fight inside the distance as well? No, no, no I don't. don't. I feel like if you are I, no, I feel like I'm I'm leaning more towards uh, GTD than that. No. Um, but uh. First four fights, uh, I mean, a lot of line movement that I mentioned. I'm, I'm thinking that the line movement is wrong in all four of them. So obviously, maybe I'm the, the crazy conspiracy one, or maybe the market knows something that I don't. Um, but next fight, welterweight division, Gabe Green taking on Ian Gary. Uh, fun fight here. We have Gary favorite minus one seventy one, Green plus one forty six. So another fight that I, I see being striking. I mean, uh, if anybody's mixing in a takedown here, it will be Ian Gary. Uh, he did wrestle a bit on Cage Warriors, but hasn't been going to it as much since he got to the UFC. But Green knows how to escape bottom. He knows how to, you know, uh, uh, escape. Uh, he kind of gives a little volatile positions at times trying to get up. But I think the guy is, you know, a, a solid grappler. Uh, and I don't see, uh, I mean, Gary is a, a good bit bigger than him. I think he's five inches taller than him. Um, but but Green uh, just strikes me as like a, a, a scrambly guy who's going to be hard to hold down. Um, so I don't see the, the grappling being an easy path for Gary. And then the striking, I see it being close. I mean, Ian Gary's debut against the the Southpaw Jordan Williams really struggled with the Southpaw boxing of Williams early on there. And uh, Gabe Green is a, a Southpaw who likes to pressure. He, he knows how to kick the legs, hard leg kicks. He knows how to dig to the body a little bit. And he, he pressures you. He has good boxing. And I think he can cut off the cage a little bit better than Jordan Williams and Darian Weeks are, are able to because Gary uses a ton of movement. This this guy's like a male Macy Barber in the cage because he's just circling and circling all day. And then every now and then he sets his feet and he throws some strikes. But if he can fight a fighter who knows how to cut off the cage and, you know, throw some body kicks, you know, limit the mobility with the leg kicks, I think they could have a, a lot of success. And I think that Gabe Green is going to be a real, real test. Um, you know, haven't been impressed at all with Gary so far. But if he gets past Green, you know, I think that I'll be starting to uh, to believe in the guy a bit. Um, and Gabe Green is just a guy who comes on late fights good cardio fighter uh he's also really durable remember that guys took a huge beating from uh daniel rodriguez and kept fighting there so i like green uh maybe a green live bet here uh, the green late props uh plus 1400 for green round two plus 1800 for green round three those have a ton of value so uh once again the underdog is the side to me to be on here uh, five for five so far. Ozzy, what are your thoughts? I like this fight. It's a very interesting fight to me. I think it's appropriate st a little step up for uh, for Ian Gary, right? I mean, I would definitely say that, I mean, Darian Weeks is probably like Charmander. And I think Gabe Green, he's at least Charmeleon. He could be Charizard because they're like, I feel the same kind of mold of fighter. Like, you know, well-rounded, you know, uh, come forward, good cardio overall. But, I mean, I think this dude, Gabe Green, is better than people are giving him credit for. Like, a lot better. Like, I'm seeing, I mean, just, I mean, not every guys that I respect, but, like, people are like, oh, well, you know, Gabe Green, he got taken down by, you know, Johan. Johan's not even a good grappler. He's like a striker. He got taken down by multiple. Yeah, dude. But, I mean, if Gabe Green's on his back, this guy's looking to come up. Is it going to come up on those single legs? And he's not, like you said, he's not looking to stay on uh, on his back. And he's got a decent submission game of his own, wrestling game of his own. Great cardio, like like great cardio. Um, and mixes it up pretty well on the feet, right? He's a southpaw as well, 
where um, I, you saw Ian Gary have some issues with um, Jordan Williams in that fight rate. He was getting hit, you know, when, when Jordan Williams is uh, blitzing in. And another thing I noticed about Ian Gary is very often, I don't know if it's only when he fights southpaws or if it's just, or I don't know if it changes, you know, orthodox or softball, but he really likes circling to his right hand excuse me, his right-hand side. He does it consistently. Um, it got him in trouble multiple times against Jordan Williams. Uh, ironically, it also got him the KO um, against Williams, right? He, he did move off to his right and uh, and drop that nuke on uh, on Williams. But Gabriel's a former lightweight, and I think he's a, he's a lot quicker. I think he's going to deal with the speed okay. Um, Ian Gary is very quick. He, he's, he brings up the legs quick as well with the kicks, um, and, and I think he is a okay prospect. But I don't think this guy's a great prospect at all. Um, you know, his grappling, to me, he showed some flashes of it against um, Jack Grant. I thought that was it was okay. But he also got put in some bad positions against Jack Grant. Obviously, he won the fight very, very clearly all the rounds. Um, but I just like Gabe Green here. I think if he can neutralize the speed of this guy at all, throw those light kicks that he debil uh, um, debilitated uh, Phil Rowe with, you know, I think those could could be big here. Um, and if Ian Gary is just going to be circling around, like, I don't think that Gabe Green is going to be uh, complacent to E to L like Darian Weeks did. So I think he could get potentially hit with a KO shot, right? Like a big punch or kick from Gary. But other than that, like, I like Gabe Green. I think that he has more decision equity than people give him credit for as well. But I'm hoping this line blows out a little bit more. Like, I was hoping to get maybe, you know, uh, Green a little closer to plus 170 here but i really like him here for a bet like i said i'm high I'm, I'm, i got him pretty high up uh higher up um and i just think his skills overall translate very well and they haven't fully translated over um either right i think also they mentioned that he got eye surgery right like his his eyes weren't you know great his vision um and i just think the guy's talented he knows how to mix it up well um, and this guy's touted, like I've heard, you know, from the California side of things, like people saying like, man, Gabe Green, he was coming up, right? Like a very, very solid fighter and, you know, talented in the gym and trains the good guys as well. And, and trains with a lot of tall guys and has fought many tall guys um, as well, like uh, Phil Rowe. And he's, he got knocked out by Jalen Turner in the past, but he's fought a lot of tall guys. And I don't think that's going to be, Leonis is kind of tall. Yeah. I don't think the, the, the height is going to be that much of an issue for him. And I think he's going to catch Ian Gary in, uh, multiple times. And I think this is going to be a uh, very, very, very competitive fight. So give me the underdog, and uh, I will be playing Gabriel Green. He's just scrappy, very. too. I mean, he got dropped versus Lanius, came back, won the same round. Close fight with uh, Phil Roke, you know, dug deep to win that round three. I mean, I feel like this guy is just, he's comfortable in close fights. Uh, also, Ian Gary gets his nose, uh, his nose bleeds in every single fight. And this fight goes late. The judges start scoring the rounds. Uh, it's it's close, you know, and never good to have a guy who's bleeding. So um, here we go. Next fight, uh, also in the welterweight division, Donald Cowboy Cerrone taking on Jim Miller. Uh, obviously, a late notice replacement fight here. Jim Miller minus 180 favorite Cerrone plus 155. Uh, so the line was a bit wider. Uh you know, at the start of the fight week, Cerrone's getting some buyback here. Uh, obviously, a very old man fight here. Uh, Ozzy, I'll let you start this one off. What are your thoughts here? 
Yeah, wasn't expecting this one to to get put together. Um, I was surprised with the opening line, like you mentioned. Um, you know, I thought, especially with it being up at one seventy, like it does just doesn't really make sense to me. Like, because people were, I guess, high on Cowboy or were thinking that he would smoke Lozon, and now you're getting like a pretty fair line here. But I do like what I see from Jim Miller's boxing. Like he's very like uh, I think I mentioned it when he fought Moda. I was like, man, like Jim Miller, very comfortable in the pocket, very comfortable countering. Um, he's still on fight ending shots. Like this guy, he's not like he, there's never been the issue with him, similar to Joe Lozon, right? So very similar fighter, but we're getting a complete flip, more or less, right? In the line, right? Wasn't Cowboy like minus 180 over Lozon? Somewhere around yeah. there. Um and he's also getting it at the 170 weight class. So I couldn't back, I can't back Jim Miller here. Um you know, he, he, he's up this weight class, short notice. Um, you know, he, he, I mean, he, he has probably good motivation here because Cowboy did knock his ass out uh, in New Jersey where I think both of us, I think we mentioned were in attendance. That was great. That was a fun, that was a funny event in Atlantic City. They got to go back to Atlantic City. Like, what are they doing? Um, but yeah, I mean, Cowboy, I think he should be able to avoid some of these early strikes from Jim Miller and Jim Miller historically just slows down so much. But him not cutting the weight could have an effect on, you know, that gas tank of his. Um, but I just can't lay the chalk here, you know, on him in, in this fashion. I actually kind of like the over one and a half here. You know, it is, could be very sweaty and they could like just fold over at any point. But I and I just feel like the I, I keep thinking about the Alex Morono fight, about how bad Cerrone was in there when when he was getting hit with flush shots but i definitely think that he's probably the side here at on the money line like you get plus 168 on FanDuel. it's pretty i think that's pretty wild you know in a fight between two old old men at a preferred weight class for cowboy you know jim miller has no experience at 170 so i gotta pick i think i gotta pick cowboy here you know maybe to potentially get this win you know at least he's not talking about retiring and any of that stuff so you know he wants to get more fights in but uh yeah i'm, I'm interested to watch the fight I'll pick Cowboy, but I probably won't. I probably won't bet it. Yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines. I mean, it doesn't seem like a a situation possible of backing the favorite here in Miller. Um, You know, in his fights at lightweight lately, he has, you know, tend to have seven, eight minutes of cardio, then does kind of fall off a cliff. Uh, But as you mentioned, good, good point. You know, we never know what, uh, what that extra weight, these extra 15 pounds, what will it do to his cardio, you know? Um, uh, yeah, so eight years ago, first fight, Cerrone obviously head kicked him. Like Ozzy said, we were both in attendance. First UFC event I ever went to. Definitely a, a legendary moment. But, uh, you know, a lot's changed since then. And I, I see Miller as the less shot fighter of the two. You know, um, Miller is is still having competitive fights. When he fights lower level guys, uh, he, he's winning those fights. It's not like he's suffering, you know embarrassing losses he's not losing to this you know um that guy that that mexican guy he knocked out uh, gonzalez and he's not losing to roosevelt roberts he's he's having close fights with vince peichel and scott holtzman and then he's eventually losing those fights but he's it's not like he's just glaringly looking awful like cerrone did in his last fight against alex morono 
I mean, that was at 170. That was was with this extra 15 pounds. Uh, and he still was getting hurt by a guy who's just not known for finishing people. Um, then Cerrone did cut weight two times to, uh, to 155 lately. That can't be good for the chin long term. And then also think about it. This fight against Lozon got announced in like February, March. All right? He starts training in April. The fight was supposed to be in May the first time. It gets postponed. Okay, he keeps training. He keeps training. This guy's probably been training for a fight for like four or five months straight. And with his body being you know this old and worn down uh you know that just can't be a good formula i mean th- you know when you're training for a fight your body's going to peak at a certain point especially after you hit that weight cut and now cerrone's body has been fluctuating all over the place he's cutting weight he's not fighting he's getting back in the gym i don't know there's a lot of reasons not to like cerrone here but i'll talk about some good, good reasons to like him and those are some props here uh they have cerrone decision at plus 500 which i think is, is nuts uh cerrone uh Round two, round three props are, are pretty good here uh, with at plus 900, plus 1,400. And then um, Cerrone, round three or decision of plus 370. I just feel if he can make it halfway into this fight, then he's got a really good chance at taking over in rounds two and three and possibly small possibility of getting a finish with the more possible option being, you know, winning a 29, 28 decision here. So, I mean, Cerrone decision at five to one is nuts to me. Um, so that's probably the best bet to be made on this entire fight. Um, enough said about that one. Next fight, last fight on the prelims, I believe here. Um, Yes, last fight in the prelims, lightweight division, Brad Riddell, Jalen Turner, Ooh, absolute fucking banger, banger of a fight. Jalen Turner minus one forty five, Brad Riddell plus one twenty five. Um, so just amazing fight. I'll, I'll start off by saying here, you know, great matchmaking by the UFC, and. You know, been going back and forth in this one a lot. We have seen some steam on Turner uh, come in over the past week or two. Uh, I think where it's gotten to now, it's gotten a bit out of hand. I think it, the, the, the value side is definitely going to be on Quake Riddell here. Um, but it, it's another fight where I'm thinking about, man, is, is it best to bet him before the fight or is it best to wait for a live bet? Because Brad is t- kind of a slow starter. He has lost round one to Leco Da Silva, Drew Dober, uh, Rafael Fiziev. That's three fights in a row where he did lose round one. Um, and he, he but he he does build his way back into the fight. He he's not a he makes reads. He has good cardio. He makes reads as the fight goes and he takes fights over late. That's exactly what he did versus Dober and Silva, not so much versus Fiziev. Um but uh Turner is a guy who has been, you know, just demolishing guys lately. His past four fights have been just beatdowns, right? He's been beating these guys from pillar to post and finishing them. Now that is impressive, but the same thing I was talking about with Muniz earlier. When does that you know that run stop? When does he run into a guy who won't go away? And then what does it look like? After that, because he's been finishing guys with ease, what does his cardio look like in the second half of the fight? The the only time we've seen Turner go to the decision in the UFC, he did lose a 30-27 decision to Matt Frivola. So, uh, legend Matt Frivola, yeah, the legendary high level fighter, high level fighter Matt Frivola. Um, and that just makes me think that if Brad can, you know, survive the first few minutes here, he's got a really good chance of taking this fight over in the second and third round. It's not like Jalen Turner is some defensive genius either. I mean, the guy is a high action striker. I mean, he's a great puncher, he's a great, you know, high level knees. I mean, I'm sure Ozzy and I are both impressed by what the guy's been doing lately, but we're talking about Brad fucking Riddell here, who we've got a lot of love for on this podcast. We both, you know, went to war with, uh, you know, in the past two fights. 
fights. Uh, he's been like plus 130 for like three fights in a row, by the way. Plus 130 versus Dober, Fiziev. Now here, here he is again. And uh, I just think that I, I like turn, I like Riddell's chances if this fight gets out of the first round. Uh, I think he's going to get hit with some shots early. He's probably going to go up to a bigger underdog. Um, but, uh, I mean, I still think you got to take a small position before the fight. Like, Drew Dober, same situation. He lost round one. He got dropped in round one. But before the fight, at plus 130, he was still a good bet. He was still the right side to be on. So, I'd say take some action, turn to Riddell, and then be waiting with that that figure, finger on the trigger with the live bets here uh, midway through round one, towards the end of round one, to get in on those, this live line. Yeah, another fight that I absolutely love. Like you said, you know, Jalen Turner has definitely, um, uh, definitely been uh, impressing. I mean, the guy's uh, very, like you said, very, very tactical in there. I like, you know, some of the stuff that he goes for. Like he has like some just, you know, really, really shrewd, um, you know, moments like, you know, that wrist grab on, on Jamie Malarkey where he's kind of like, oh, don't get away from me. And then he like rips a punch to the body with the other hand um, and the whip and the leverage that this guy gets specifically for me on that right hook. Um, you see when he finishes Malarkey with it, like he's he was hitting Malarkey and Malarkey didn't know it was like he it looked like Malarkey was like shocked with how hard uh, Turner was hitting him. But he was hitting him very, very flush, like very, very flush. And I just love, for the most part, Brad's, you know, defense. Like he's really, really good with the hand fighting. Um, I think that he respected Fiziev maybe a little too much. But even in that fight, I mean, I thought his defense looked pretty sharp. Um, the strike count was was very, very close. I think if, um, yeah, I mean, the head strikes, they were kind of close. Um, and he's just such an experienced kickboxer um you know in in this fight and his wrestling is also very very underrated in my opinion um he's great at scooping up those double legs um you know when he's pressed someone against the fence and against dober you just saw multiple occasions um of that wrestling looking you know really really good like i thought um and he's definitely been working his ground game uh still a lot and and, and improving on that wrestling and he knows how to fight these taller guys. This guy literally has a, uh, coincidentally, a YouTube video explaining how to beat taller fighters. The guy also trains with Israel Adesanya. He's, you know, he's fought a lot of these, you know, taller guys. And he's got a dynamite overhand, you know, right and left, right? Uh, he landed it multiple times on Dober. And Jalen Turner has been turned off uh, a few times, you know, with overhands. Even Jamie Malarkey catches him with a left hook, I think, in round one, uh, early on in round one, where it kind of stumbles um, Jalen Turner. So I'm interested to see Jalen Turner's approach here, how aggressive he's going to be early on, if he's going to push the same kind of pace, because he was all over Malarkey. Like, he was throwing every, you know, strike that he had in the toolkit at, uh, at Malarkey. But I feel that Brad Riddell, man, is a different kind of fighter overall than Jamie Malarkey in terms of, you know, how, how cerebral he is in there and the game plan that he comes out with. And I think city kickboxing also very cerebral, very smart camp. Um, and I think they've got a good game plan coming in uh, with Brad Riddell here. Turner could find a kill switch. He could land, you know, he's very diverse. He's got front kicks, body kicks, you know, elbows, knees, you know, straight punches, you know, he, he mixes it up really well. He throws off beat strikes uh, as well. But at that chin, you know, and him cutting all this weight down to 155, I think this might be the guy to to, to put him down and uh, and and have some big moments. So I'm gonna pick Brad Riddell here. I'm gonna side with him. I think he can mix it up, 
throw these light kicks, mix in takedowns, and take Jalen Turner into deeper water where, you know, he's this guy's a finisher, right? He doesn't go to, like you said, he doesn't go to decision very often. Should be a fantastic fight. Two great strikers. But I think people are seeing the physique and reach of Jalen Turner and assuming Brad Riddell is not going to be able to touch that chin. And I just don't think that's going to be the case. But uh, but should be a great fight for as long as it lasts. I know people like the uh, the uh, under and the fight doesn't go the distance. But I mean, I think Brad Rid- I mean Brad Riddell's got a chin on him. So let's see. I mean, let's see. You know, Jalen Turner does have some one hitter. You know, kind of kind of leverage that he puts on some of these strikes. But uh, but I think Brad Riddell's going to take home the win here. You think Turner might have any success wrestling of his own right? I haven't have has he really gotten many takedown like. He's got. I I know he took down uh uh Medich. I I remember that one. Yeah. But I don't really think. I think he's Weaver down, Weaver uh, he got down. I mean, yeah. Who cares? Was it like a trip though? Like a trip? I think. Yeah, I think it was like a body lock. Yeah, I don't think he's taken down uh, Bradder though. But I mean, it could happen. Just like I you have it. such the bigger the bigger guy. Um, I think it could happen, but I think Riddell from on bottom, he's not accepting the position and uh, he could use this, uh, use that opportunity to, to get wrestling going of his own. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little disagreement about the Riddell wrestling. I think, I mean, I'm worried about the guillotine. If he, if he tries to wrestle here, D- Turner does have uh, a nasty guillotine. You don't like Riddell's wrestling. You don't, I don't, I mean, I, I saw him take down Dover, but then I also saw Dover, you know, be able to scramble his way to the feet. It might be good just to, you know, make the tempo of the striking a bit, but I don't see it being like a smart idea for Riddell to do too much. You know, I'm looking at the height, bro. Holy shit. It's saying Turner is eight inches taller, six inches longer. Yeah. Brad, Brad, Brad's a, Brad's a short guy. Yeah, no, that's a huge confidence increase for the five, seven guys out there. But I mean, they just game plan for this dude. And then they were like, fuck it. Yeah. Let's get Brad in there to, you know, avenge this, this, uh, last L. So I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe they see something and they think Brad can exploit, but I like Brad Riddell here. I I mean, I just, I mean, I'm a Brad Riddell stand. So, I mean, maybe don't listen to me because I kind of like always like backing Brad Riddell, but it's been hella profitable, like you said. So I'm a, I'm a stay on the train. Maybe, maybe wait for the, wait to bet Riddell to the the weigh-ins. People are going to see that, that eight inch height difference and they're going to bet Turner. So also true maybe pass that up all right pay-per-view main card time uh we know we dove into those prelims but bro they're good fights you know ozzy and i we'll we'll talk about you know some bullshit fights for a minute or two each when they're good fights we're gonna dive in and give you all the angles so uh you know main card time five more really good fights pedro munoz taking on sean o'malley in the first fight of the uh, on the main card o'malley minus 290 munoz plus 245 uh, I think it's your turn to start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this Bantamweight fight? Oof, I fucking love it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big... I love Pedro Munoz. And it's been hurting me to see um, him slip up and, you know, the, the, the drop in success as he gets older. But, I mean, this guy's... Most of his fights, dude, are against former champions of the weight class. Like, let's put it into context overall. Um, you know, I thought it was... Uh, I mean, Dominic Cruz, man, he just got in his bag in that last fight so much. Like, I was so impressed by the fact that, I mean, I'm looking forward so much to Dominic Cruz getting that hometown fight against Cheeto Vera. That's going to be a great fight. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this is an intriguing fight because, I mean, it's great matchmaking because, you know, O'Malley, obviously people know the leg kicks, right, are an issue. And Pedro Munoz has some of the best leg kicks in the game. 
Um, and then we know that obviously, you know, O'Malley's great on the outside, very, very good footwork, extremely quick, grabs angles, you know, really well, uh, uses his front kicks, his teeps, he'll switch uh, southpaw to orthodox. Um, and I think people are are looking at Pedro and, you know, maybe thinking that he's kind of like Thomas Almeida. And let me tell you, please don't think that. I mean, Almeida, we didn't know. I guess some people knew that he was shot when O'Malley got him. But, I mean, you know, Pedro, I just think he just is able to be so steady in there that I'm not sure if O'Malley's going to really blow him out the water as people expect. You know, O'Malley does land flush. That, that's one credit I'll give him. And he's got pretty good conditioning, and he could keep up his pace and, you know, what he does for a long time. But I just love Pedro Munoz's game overall. He's just such a, you know, finish-orientated, you know, fighter. But he's at a huge reach disadvantage here. Um, and But I think that is just going to maybe just play into his hands a little bit more in the aspect of he's definitely looking to kick this motherfucker's leg clean off uh, is what I'm thinking. Um, I'm waiting like the, there was a little pop down in price. I'm seeing people very confident in Sean O'Malley. And yeah, I could see it with because of the footwork. But I kind of got to bet Pedro Munoz here at such a, a, a big price here. You know, maybe not big, just like a little stab. And then I'm going to what I'm going to follow up with is Munoz by submission. The majority of his wins, right? He hasn't gotten a submission in a long time. But he's got more submission wins than anything else. And he's got a killer guillotine. And watch for the heel hook. What? When was the last time that I called heel hook, uh, Martian? What happened? Sabatini Emmers. Sabatini Emmers. Watch for the heel hook here. Inside or outside? Pass it to you. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, some people think that uh, Emmers would win a rematch there. So um, I don't know about that one. Um so yeah, I mean, we, we both love Munoz. We we both backed him against Aldo. Obviously, that looked you know stupid in retrospect. But as Ozzy mentioned already, um, you know we got to look at these past you know the past six opponents for these guys. I, I sent a tweet about this earlier, um, and I'll say it here once again. So we're talking um, Pedro's last six fights. How many UFC champions has he fought? Five, and we're talking Aljamain was an interim champ, wasn't he? Right. He's a multi. He's an. I mean, I mean, he's an undisputed. No. Yeah. Now he's. But so. He, but he's technically almost like a two-time champ. And then Edgar, two-time champ. Aldo, two-time champ. M Cruz, two-time champ. Cody Garbrandt, not so much. But and then he fought Jimmy Jimmy Rivera, uh, being the, the only non-champion who we all know is an extremely quality fighter as well. Um, then you go over to O'Malley, and I, you know, I sent a tweet about this. Everybody who's listening to the podcast probably already knows they they follow him, they follow me. But um, his his six wins are aging just so poorly in the UFC. So first of all, he beat Tarion Ware, who went on to lose two more fights and get cut. Then he beat Andre Sukumdad, who won one fight, lost two fights, got cut. Quinones, uh lost a fight, got cut. Wineland lost two fights, retired. Moutinho lost a fight, got cut. And then Paiva, who just lost last weekend. So, I mean, this guy's six wins that he has. Only one of those opponents has a UFC win after they fought him. So they're clearly giving him low-tier fighters, right? The, the best opponents they've given him is, is holding on Paiva. And the difference between Paiva and Munoz is substantial. It's a substantial jump between those two. And the they're pricing... Oh, you know O'Malley, like they always do, as a as a minus three hundred favorite. I mean, they're just they're disrespecting Munoz. You know the market is 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 disrespecting them. Um, 
And But the thing is, guys, don't bet Pedro Munoz yet. Hold off. The same shit I was just saying. Sean O'Malley, fan favorite. Every fucking sports book in the country of America is going to be running some Sean O'Malley odds boost or, you know, some sort of, you know, bullshit going on promo with Sean O'Malley. Just just hold off, okay? Um, the same thing with the weigh-ins. There's going to be a big height and reach advantage for O'Malley. Just wait. But, you know, getting down to the matchup, I mean, Munoz obviously going to be trying to chop the legs. Uh, O'Malley has a clear susceptibility to leg kicks, broke his leg against Sukumtat, hurt his leg against Marlon Barra. And then, bro, even in the Moutinho fight, I swear some of the leg kicks that Moutinho were, were landing, like, I swear they were hurting O'Malley like more than they should have. I just think this guy has fragile legs and there might not be anything to do to replace that. Um and, you know, Munoz is in a historically extremely hard guy to grapple. Munoz isn't, or Mali's not grappling him. He's been an extremely durable guy. He's never been finished in 25 pro fights. Um, and, you know, O'Malley is going to be landing straight shots here, but Munoz is going to be slipping his head off the center line a little bit. He's going to be bobbing and weaving. He's going to be smashing those leg kicks, and he's going to be coming back with hard punches. Guys, don't forget, Munoz just dropped Dominic Cruz in the first round. Dropped him, you know, wobbled him kind of twice there. This dude still has power in his hands. Um, so, man, I just think this market is 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 doing what they always do. They're overvaluing O'Malley. And um, I wouldn't say Munoz is typically disrespected historically, but just any fighter against O'Malley, the line I think is going to be off. Um, you know, I I, I I did kind of show some support to Piva as well, which, you know, backfired. and looks like a pretty stupid uh, read there. But, you know, Munoz is just cut from a different cloth. This dude has lost a lot of fights lately, but to the elite level competition. And this is just, a, you know, a whole different matchup from. So, you know, give me Munoz at this big plus money. Um, say i say ride the att wave they're they're doing they're doing something right down there there's good energy over there they're you know johnny eblin you know won, you know won that belt gamra you know i think they've been sweeping a lot of these nights and uh pedro munoz is one of the not og ogs but one of the most respected guys in that gym and i think he's he feels disrespected i know that for a fact he feels so i mean he's coming from this is gonna be a good fight um, really good fight. I'm really looking forward to it. And if O'Malley could get this knockout, man, that's a really good win. Like a very, very good win. So yeah, I'll I'll, put, I'll go ahead and say it on record. If if O'Malley beats Munoz, call I'll start. You know, really putting some stock into the guy because this is by a, a substantial margin his toughest test to date. Well, outside of Marlon Vera, I, I think it's right on the same tier as Marlon Vera, honestly. But the um, fact that we get the same price on Munoz as Paiva is pretty funny. Insane. And when we learned, we learned, <laughs> we learned not a single fucking new thing about O'Malley in that fight. He just threw straight punches, connected, and finished him like he like he always does. I mean, nothing new about O'Malley. And one thing I do like about Pedro is when he throws his overhand, he moves his head off the center, right? Ask Cody Garbrandt. Um, so you know, if if O'Malley's looking to exchange like he was doing a few times at Paiva, I mean I I wouldn't be surprised at a club and sub. That's why I like, or like a big punch lander for Pedro. So I'm very intrigued to watch the fight. I know O'Malley's quick. He's got good kickboxing, you know, and fast, but uh, give me, yeah, give me Pedro for sure as well. Uh, next fight is welterweight division. Brian Barbarina taking on Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's the favorite minus 120. Barbarina plus 100. Um, so I'll, I'll 
we'll definitely talk about this one the least of any main card fight. Definitely, um, you know, the least intriguing of all the main card fights. You know, it's a, it's a it's an old guy fight. It'll be exciting. They're they're gonna box with one another. You know, I don't think either guy is very likely to to level change here. Um, Lawler looked good against Nick Diaz, you know, in their fight. Obviously, Nick Diaz looked like an, a fat old, uh, you know, slob in that fight. But, uh, you know, Lawler took it to him. I mean, he showed no respect for the power. He marched him down. He looked like he had great cardio through, you know, 300, 400 strikes and looked fresh. Um, Barbarina was in that war with Matt Brown, you know, dug deep and won those later rounds. Um, and I think, I think, you know, it's hard to tell who's more shot, right? But I do know at, at their career best, Lawler was a multiple time UFC champion. And at Barbarina's career best, he was like the 15th ranked welterweight for like a week or something like that. So, I mean, you got to put some stock into that right off the bat. And I mean, to me, that's enough to have Lawler as, you know, a slight favorite uh, based on that alone. And then considering that, you know, Lawler, uh, you know, people were writing him off before the Diaz fight because he was losing to to, to better fighters, to fresher fighters. But when you th throw him against a guy who's, you know, on the same level like Nick Diaz, you know, you know, Lawler just destroyed him in that fight. Um, so I think, I, I think Lawler is, you know, still the better boxer of the two. You know, I like the way he was slipping off the center, ripping to the body, um, uh, you know, throwing in combination, um, you know, Barbarina does have a lot better ability to, to cover distance. And the thing with Nick Diaz is bro, his, his feet are so planted, right? His, his legs were so heavy in that fight and he had no mobility on his upper body and he couldn't, could barely fully extend his arms. Um, at least Barbarina does, you know, kind of, you know, throw long punches and he does cover some distance with his strikes. He still does know how to catch people on the end of his punches. Um, and he knows how to pour it on to win rounds at right at good times. You know, I, I like Barbarina. I like both of these guys. Um, but I'll be siding with the, the veteran and the, the career better fighter in Robbie Lawler at this point. Uh, I think that, you know, minus 120 is a good enough price to bet him. And uh, even though this should be a high pace striking fight, I really see it going over. I see it going the full distance, going the full 15 minutes. I just don't think either guy has enough power to finish each other. And uh, neither of their chins are like that particularly bad either. So um, I, I'll take a Lawler decision here. Yeah, I don't got much in this fight. I mean, you know, the Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz fight was just a peculiar one to me overall. Just, I don't know, like, just how the whole fight played out. Um, and I wasn't expecting to see Robbie back, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, for another year. I don't, I'm not sure. But interesting fight to put him against here. I mean, Barb, though, I do think Barb has been throwing some good shots uh, out there. I know, you know, people, uh, obviously, the last fight was a war. It got a little sloppy sometimes, but he, I mean, I think he's got a little bit more pop in the hands than people give him credit for Robbie, you know, his defense is okay, but he's not very mobile, uh, right. He doesn't move all that much or all that well anymore. Um, and I just think that they're probably going to bang pretty hard and I can see Barb landing on him. but why is he under such plus money? Do you do you have an opinion on 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 this not going to the scorecards here? Like, yeah, I just said, yeah, I just said, I think, oh, it, I oh, think it, it definitely will. You think it definitely will? Yeah. So I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if I feel that as much, but I don't got a good read on the fight, so don't listen to me all that much. Like, I don't really think that either side is value. Like, I think you know, to to think that Robbie is the side here, you kind of have to think that, like, I mean. 
him being down at 170, I think, could maybe take away a little bit from, you know, how well he was doing against Nick. And, I mean, Barbarina is just a weird guy. Like, he's another unorthodox, you know, person. Um, but a lot of the things are in the faults that have been hitting him, you know, have are not going to be, I think, exploited by Robbie in terms of, like, uh, grappling, right? You know, uh, Brown mixed in the takedowns a lot. Darian Weeks mixed in the takedowns a lot. Anthony Ivy, Jason Witt, all these guys mix in the takedowns a lot. Um, and I think if Barb just gets a striking fight, I think, you know, I, I know people love Robbie Lawler, but I don't know if he, you know, if he's, if he should be that much of a, or he's not that much of a favorite, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but I feel like Barbarina is getting a a little underrated overall just with sentiment not so so much as pricing um but if i could get some plus money on it maybe i'll get involved but for me i'm probably gonna take a break from the main card on this one like in terms of betting just watch it hope someone gets knocked out and uh and get ready for uh the top three uh billing let's do that right now top three fights in the card um last non-title fight on the card Middleweight division, Sean Strickland taking on Alex Pereira. Pick'em fight, minus 110 on both sides. Incredible matchmaking, incredible fight. A fight that I feel like no one can be super confident in either side. It's just like, this is such a perfect fight for like, what the fuck is about to happen here? Just so many outcomes on the table. Just a, a brilliant fight. Um, and yeah. you're trying to start this one off, Ozzy. Yeah, dude. So, you know, I'll start off. I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. But I've been flip-flopping all week, so I can definitely see both sides, both angles. Now, Sean, uh, Sean has the much more MMA experience, is on a great one streak, is the more well-rounded fighter. Um, and, you know, he, he he's also shown great overall defense, which is something that I can't say I've seen in MMA. Kickboxing fans don't come at me um, in terms of striking defense, right? If you look at that Bruno Silva fight, a lot of Alex Pereira's defense is just retreating straight back. Um, excuse me, hand fighting a lot, right? Um, but he's not really slipping punches all that well. I, I I don't feel he's controlling range all that much either when the other guy's attacking him. Um, he gives up distance. But also, it was in a smaller cage. So maybe he was just like, all right, like, you know, if I... Or actually, it doesn't even make sense that it was in a smaller cage because it's dumb to just be giving up uh, range. But, you know, and then some of the strikes that he throws, like he didn't really mix in. He didn't throw any leg kicks for the most part. He threw a few um, at, at uh, Silva. But I don't think that's going to be a weapon for him here all that much. But, like, some of the strikes, like, yeah, I know this guy's a high-level kickboxer. But I just don't actually think that the striking is translating that well. Like, definitely amazing power. And he's got, you know, a vicious intent on a lot of them. But I just don't feel he was controlling the striking tempo in that fight that well until the third round. And Strickland, I mean, like I said, he's got great. He's great with the hand fighting, great with the parrying. You know, um, his if you look at his striking defense, it's 66%. And when you see it, right, it's the same thing, right? You saw uh, Jack Hermanson have very, very hard time hitting him. Same thing with Uriah Hall. He's got a great jab as well. But the difference in power is kind of maybe like the biggest issue as well as not knowing if Strickland's going to wrestle him. Because if he does take him down, from what I've seen from Pereira on the ground, yeah, he's been getting up. But in the midst of that, he gives up some positioning in terms of like, you know, where your knees are, where your legs are in relation to the top guy. 
that for if a guy is experienced and very good on the ground, like Sean Strickland is, original originally came into MMA as a grappler. Um, I think he was like a purple belt maybe when he first when he first busted into MMA when he was like 19 or 20. You know, definitely black belt level now. And I think he's gonna get at least one or two takedowns here. Now I could definitely see Strickland having great success early on, maybe coming out you know a little bit hotter because I did think Pereira came out a little slow against um, against Bruno Silva, and he definitely came out slow against uh, Mikalidis. Um, so I could see Strickland using that jab, maybe throwing a few leg kicks out there, um, and then finding a takedown, having some success, but then getting away from it, and then you know being looking up at the lights you know, soon thereafter. Um, you know, Alex for sure is going to at some points be able to uncork some big shots, some big bombs, and Strickland's going to have to be able to either mitigate it by going into the clinch, which Pereira has shown some good clinch work. He's shown some good knees in there at times. But against Bruno Silva, another thing, he was on the fence, you know, back against the fence for extended periods. Um, and while Strickland, you know, he's not the most physical guy, right? Obviously, he's a former welterweight. Um, I think he's very savvy in the clinch, and he's very sa- a very savvy fighter overall. Um, so, you know, I've been flip-flopping, but I think I have to stay with the Strickland side. I am aware that the KO for Pereira is super, super live, you know, because Strickland does sometimes lean away from some of these shots. But th- these guys have similar reaches overall, uh, or I think Pereira's got three inches on him, I guess. So he's a bit bigger. Um I'm not going to bet the fight. I was thinking that I was in the bet Strickland, but I'm going to just avoid it. Like, I just I just think that the bonk, you know, is is definitely live, especially if Strickland fights like an idiot, like you think, like he might. But I think he, he should be able to get this win. Like, I think that his ground game is just vastly, vastly, vastly superior to Alex Pereira. Um, and I think that he is going to fight smart enough to get this win. But it's not a confident pick. Yeah, I mean, and it can't be confident, Pick. I'll echo what I said earlier. You can't be confident in either side in this fight. I haven't talked to anybody all week that is, and I really think that you're 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 mistaken if you are confident in one side. And, you know, it's it seems like a, obviously like a striker versus grappler matchup. It is a lot more complicated than that. It's not as simple as all Strickland needs to do is get one takedown. It's not as simple as all Pereira needs to do is keep it standing. Uh, it's going to be, you know, competitive on the feet. Pereira is no is no defensive genius, like Ozzy was saying. This guy has never been known for being an extremely great defensive striker. I mean, even throughout his kickboxing career, you see him kind of leaning away from punches, and he has some tendencies that are still there from that kickboxing career, um, which is, you know, very evident because it's he's only fought in MMA for what, like uh, 23, 24 minutes, something like that in the past, uh, you know, five, seven years. But, um, you know, in Pereira's last fight, that five or the three round decision against Silva, you know, I was very impressed with what I saw from Pereira in that fight. I mean, the dude ha- finished his uh, his LFA opponent in round one, Michaelitis, in, in six minutes. Uh, and. We had really no idea what this guy's cardio was going to look like. And Silva took him in a competitive fight. It was a close fight. It was back and forth. Silva had some takedowns. The fight involved grappling. And in round three, Silva's or Pereira's takedown defense was looking better than ever. He was sprawling. He was landing shots. He was pouring it on. He was hurting Silva. I mean, in a tough competitive fight, he showed incredible cardio in round three in my opinion uh, which was a great a great uh, you know sign for him going into this fight um now 
Talking about the grappling in this fight, obviously I think that's the biggest factor in the entire fight is will Sean Strickland grapple, and if he does grapple, how much success will he have? The first thing I think we should start off with saying is that that Strickland's game plan, a, a game plan here, is not to grapple. I mean, you're mistaken if you think that. He he said it in interviews, you know, does Sean Strickland really strike you as a guy who's who's making shit up and saying stuff for, for interviews? Because he really doesn't strike that as to me. He strikes me as a guy who's just, you know, being real when he's, on, when he's on the mic. I mean, he says some incredible shit on the mic. There's no way this guy isn't just completely speaking his mind. And what he said in his interview today is that I'm going to try to stand and bang with this guy. I want to see what, what his striking's all about. I don't think his striking's that good. And yeah, if he hurts me, then obviously I'll look to that wrestle. But uh, I don't want to. He doesn't really want to wrestle. He wants to strike. Um, so he's going to come in to strike early on. He's going to be exchanging. I think they will have some competitive exchanges. But eventually Pereira is going to land, you know, that hard left hook, that hard right hand. And it's going to, you know, force Strickland to make uh, that that decision to grapple. Now, if he gets these take or if he commits to these takedowns, I think he'll get them. I think he will because Pereira doesn't have a great first line of takedown defense. But Pereira does seem to have a really good understanding of when to explode on the ground to get back up to his feet. He collects himself. He gets taken down. He makes sure he's safe. And then he finds his way back up to the feet. And this guy is so big and athletic for the 185 pound weight class that it exhausts opponents trying to take him down and to out grapple him. And for a guy whose grappling is not his a game, I don't trust the, the, the cardio and the pace of Strickland to be able to keep up a grappling onslaught to win, you know, two rounds or to win by finish. Um, I think he is going to have to, you know, translate his first takedown or two into a finish if he wants to to win the fight with this grappling. Because if not, I think that that grappling pace could, to, you know, wear on him a bit and tax him out in these later rounds. Um, but um, as you talked about it before, man, Strickland is a, a, a well above average grappler. I mean, the guy knows how to wrestle. He knows how to get on top and consolidate position. And he's a solid top position grappler. So. He's capable of using it. I just don't think he's reliable enough uh, to wrestle here, um, you know, as this pick em price. I mean, if if I was betting him as a pick em, I would be pretty fucking sure that Strickland is going to wrestle here, and we cannot rely on that. So uh, that, that leads me to pick Pereira, man. I, it's a bold pick. It's, you know, a very bold pick. You know, we're talking about four times the MMA experience for Strickland or something like that. Uh, maybe even more than that. Yeah, more than that. More than four times the experience in the UFC, just hours longer in the cage for Strickland. But, man, Pereira is a special fighter. Um, and I think, you know, the UFC is setting up this matchup for a reason. Strickland knows why they're setting it up. They're trying to do Pereira versus Adesanya. They're putting this on the same card. And I think that they, you know, made the right decision by matching him up with Strickland here. And I think it's a very winnable fight. I think Pereira will win the fight. And I'm honestly not even sure it happens by knockout. I think we could be seeing a decision here uh, that Pereira wins maybe 29-28. Um, I like Strickland as a fighter. I think his personality is funny. I think his, you know, the shit he says on the mic is funny. But it would also be hilarious to see the guy, you know, face planted here uh, with some sort of uh, strike. And, uh, you know, just an incredible fight. Like, I'll say it again. Enough about that one, though. I kind of think there's an, just one, on yeah, just one last thing. I thought, I think there's a, I think there's going to be a finish in this fight. So I'm looking at that under two and a half. Um, um, you know, one guy's made a mahogany. One guy's Sean Strickland and insane. I just think there's going to be some chaos in this fight. Like, even if Strickland is grappling him, like, he's not going to be the guy, guy that's holding on to him, getting booed. Like, I mean, maybe because he wants the money, 
I mean, I got, I've been duped before, right? People are like, oh, Strickland, he says he's a fucking wants to murder people. And then he just goes out there to jab guys. But I don't think that, you know, Pereira is going to let himself get jabbed. And I don't think Sean Strickland's going down without a fight. So I kind of like it to go under. All right, then that brings us to our first title fight, the trilogy. Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway. Volkanovsky is the favorite here, minus 205. Max Holloway, plus 175. That is right. You heard it here, right? Max Holloway with a plus 175 next to his name. The last time we saw this was the last time these two guys fought. Max Holloway closed that plus 170. You know, you ask anybody in the world who knows about fighting, who knows about betting, Max Holloway looked a whole lot better than plus 170 in that fight. You know, just a, a coin flip fight, at, you know, the epitome of a coin flip fight. Um, and, you know, Max Holloway showed, you know, great adjustments in that fight from the first fight. Obviously, the first fight was a pretty clear and wide Volkanovski decision. One judge even had it 5-0. The first three rounds were really easy Volkanovski. The second two rounds got closer. Um, the the rematch, the first two rounds were clearly Holloway. And then the third and fourth round were extremely close rounds. I mean, I saw a lot of people give round three to Max, seeing people give round four to Max. But all three judges thought Volkanovski won the third and the fourth round, which I thought was just some some fortunate judging for Volkanovski there. Um, and I, that's really what the fight came down to. It was a split decision. One round on one judge's card could have flipped that shit. And, you know, they're putting Max Holloway at plus 175 again. I don't get it, guys. Has Max Holloway shown that he's slowing down since then? Because I've seen him have two five-round, you know, spectacular performances against uh, Calvin Cater and Yair Rodriguez. It's not like he's, you know, losing fights or looking worse since then. He looks, you know, virtually the same, if not better. Volkanovski continues to improve. He has two five-round wins. Uh, you know, one only went four rounds, but two championship, you know, fight wins over Ortega, over uh, Volkanovski, or over uh, Korean Zombie. Both of those fights were, were, were kind of onslaughts, honestly. Um, but... You know, this is just an it's going to be another closely fought decision. I mean, these neither of these guys have a massive edge on one another. And I just think it, it, it's nuts that we just saw these guys fight last year. We saw them have a coin flip type of fight. We saw them go to the five rounds. It was a split decision. And now they're saying the Volkanovski should be 67 percent, even though the last iteration of the fight we saw, there's no way Volkanovski looks 67 percent. Um, now, I, I would understand Volkanovski being a slight favorite here, maybe minus 150, considering he did win the first two fights. And what I'll say about Volkanovski is he does have a little bit more uh, adaptability about him. We saw him dig really deep in that second fight after dropping the first two rounds. He changed up his approach a bit. He he mixed in some clinching, some grappling. It wasn't really that effective. It's not like he did a whole lot of, of work with those positions, but it somehow you know swayed the fight back in his direction. And, you know, the leg kicks were a huge factor for Volkanovski in the first fight. Max Holloway did a great job negating those leg kicks in the second fight, which immediately made the fight a lot closer. And then in the second fight, I saw Max landing the better headshots throughout the fight. I mean, obviously the head kick that dropped him in round one, the uppercut that landed him in round two. I just saw Holloway, you know, with his frame, with his his length he was able to reach the head with his shots a lot more than Volkanovski was um when when Volkanovski didn't have that leg kick he really struggled to get off a lot of meaningful offense he landed a lot of jabs but I didn't see many you know you know backhands the right hands for Volkanovski power punches I didn't see many landing in that second fight I thought the harder shots were landed by Max um and then 
you know, he Max lost the decision there. He obviously realized that his, his output, his his pace in the later rounds cost him that decision. And what did he do against Calvin Cater? He came out throwing and landing the most strikes ever landed in the UFC fight. And he in his past two fights has just shown a much higher consistent offense through a five round fight. And he, he just knows he needs to keep up that pace and that volume a little bit more in these later rounds. And he has a great chance at stealing this decision and, you know, winning this trilogy fight. So, you know, Max Holloway at plus 175 is so much disrespect. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest fighters ever, top five, top 10 greatest fighters ever. And they have him as, you know, a, a 38% underdog or something here, man. So, we need to stop the disrespect on the blessed one. Uh, and I'll take Max Holloway to pull off the upset and to win a, a decision here. Yeah. So I love Max Holloway. I used to love Volkanovsky, but he's been kind of getting on my nerves. I think it might be uh, his fans specifically getting on my nerves. But I mean, as you said, um, you know, that second fight, obviously razor close, um, you know, and I thought that Max, he was just clowning a bit too much. I got overconfident with, uh, with like like how big the shift was from like the the first fight to how the first two rounds played out with him dropping uh, Volkanovski on two occasions, um, and you know in that third round I, he just did not fight well overall. He let his foot off the gas. I think officially strike count they only credited him with um, two landed strikes to the head. And I mean he lands like some really good shots in that fourth round. Like I definitely think there's an argument for Max one two and four. Um, and like you said, they're pricing this, uh, you know, pretty, pretty wide. You know, Volk, I, I have liked some of the stuff that he's done. You know, he he's shown a really good jab. He's been mixing in his left hook a lot. But, I mean, he's been feeling himself quite a bit from, uh, you know, knocking out a, a grandpa uh, in, in, in a Korean Zombie. And I think the fact that, like, the takedowns and some of the stuff like that, that uh, maybe they gave him a bit a bit credit for in that uh, second fight maybe is not going to be the case as much here. And I just, I actually think Max has, you know, I think the sentiment is that Volkanovski has improved um, more so than Max. But I think it's just a mentality thing more so. And I just think that Max is maybe a little bit more explosive as well. In those two fights, I thought, against Yair and uh, Cater, I just like the offense that he was uh, putting out there, you know, how consistently he was he was doing it and how ready he was to counter, um, especially Calvin Cater. And I think there's some opportunities here, you know, for that. I think that Volkanovski, like I said, is, is coming in, you know, uh, I think is going to be flipped over here. And Volkanovski's going to be the overconfident one. I think Volkanovski's going to look to, you know, exchange a little bit more, you know, and land that right hand, which realistically he didn't land many right hands against Max at all, um, you know, in that second fight. And, you know, I just think that Max has the better striking here. He's got the better boxing. You know, Volks won, won those two fights off of, you know, those leg kicks. And I think those were, you know, significantly neutralized, especially the outside leg kick. You know, Volk, Volk is very, very good with his inside leg kick. And I, I, I just don't think that's something that you could really take away. But I think if Max just focuses a little bit on maybe, you know, switching up to the Southpaw a little bit more um, and, and just being very mindful of that, that jab from Volkanovski, like you got to be uh, adamant and pairing it, especially with the, the reach advantage and countering off that jab, you know, quickly and, you know, with, with a lot of intent and also invest in that body, man, you know, throw those body strikes, 
with the hands. Um, but I, I mean, I love Holloway in this fight, man. This is a burn the boats, you know, come, come, come out strong, you know, um, keep the foot on the gas pedal and, and really take it to this guy. Because I think that, you know, the margins for Volkanovsky winning overall are just a little, a little slim, a little narrow. And I think the best that I could give him is, you know, maybe lining him, maybe minus 150 around that range. Um, so, so I like the, the Holloway side here on the money line. I think that he's going to be able to, to control to, I'm not going to say control this fight because Volkanovsky is a master tactician in, in, in the, in the cage, but I just think that he's going to give max, he's going to be out of his element a little bit. I think he's going to give max more the fight that he wants and as well be, be accepting as well of the fight that max is kind of kind of going to kind of bring because Volkanovsky, I think he's still got the chip on his shoulder and he really wants to prove a point. And I think this is going to end poorly for him. I think we potentially see a fourth fight, but I'm really, really hoping that max could, could put a stamp on this and finish Volkanovsky. But you know, I'm just super high on max, man. I think that it's, it's still his time. I think people are thinking that he's a little too, you know, uh, uh, battle-worn. And I think that's what people are seeing in this fighting and, and thinking that Max is taking a lot of damage even in those uh, two past wins. But, you know, I wouldn't even be surprised at seeing him use some of his ground game here. You know, potentially, I thought his ground game definitely has leveled up, looked really good against Yair uh, Rodriguez. And, uh, and yeah, I'm taking Max here. I'm, I'm probably doing a multi-unit bet on him. Um, but very, very intrigued to see how it plays out. Um, and, and yeah, I'm going to be watching this one with, uh, with, with a very close eyes as well on the live lines, because I think the first fight, I got a really, really good live price on Volk, but, uh, but I think that this, they're going to bang it out here. And, uh, and, and, and I like Holloway in the pocket much more. Yeah. One thing is I, I think, I don't think a trilogy in the UFC, all three fights have gone to the decision. I think there's always been one finish in there. Maybe this is the first time we see it go the full uh, 15 rounds. I, th I think it'll go full five. I mean, both guys are just, uh, you know, so fucking durable. Max Holloway never been knocked down one time in his career. Um, I mean, if anybody's getting hurt here, it's probably going to be Volkanovski. And I just feel like once the fight starts, man, how can you really feel bad about having your money on Max Holloway at plus money? I mean, it's just it's a it's one of the best feelings in MMA, I think, having a guy like that, you know, at plus money. Yeah, I, I, we I really love and uh, respect Volkanovski as well. But man, just rewatching the fight earlier today, the rematch, man, how, how could he be 67 percent here when we just saw a 50 50 iteration of the fight? So maybe maybe we're underrated. Maybe Volkanovski comes in with some some changes of his own this fight. But I mean, even the grappling in the last fight, I feel like he kind of caught Max off guard a bit. Maybe let's hope Max uh, has been training his grappling and his takedown defense a little bit more preparing for this fight, you know, knowing that Volkanovski might look to use that. Uh, I thought it was Marcelo, Marcelo, Marcelo Garcia uh, mo has moved from New York to the same island that uh, that Max Holloway lives on. And he's been there yeah, for a while. That automatically makes everybody on that island a better grappler uh, just by association. Um, but but uh, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy? This is a co-main event again. This is the third time this fight has happened. and These guys are still co-main event. Uh, yeah, I, I think this should be the main event, yeah. honestly. Yeah, moving on to the main event. I, I'm just I just have a hard time getting super excited for Israel Adesanya fights, honestly. Um, you know, it's nice to see a new challenge with Cannoneer here, but I'm just, you know, not super excited for this fight. Adesanya taking on Cannoneer, Adesanya the champ, minus five hundred, Cannoneer plus three seventy-five. Ozzy, your turn to start this one off. Any faith whatsoever in uh Cannoneer to, you know, maybe pull off the impossible here. 
I'm interested. I'm more interested in this fight, and I feel that p- more people would be more interested in this fight if it came off the uh, the Kelvin Gastelum fight because I thought Jared, you know, even though people, some people had that fight very close, I thought Jared looked really good in that fight. Um, I thought it was int- interesting. I think just the guy is interesting to me, like how he how he's fought, how he's approached some of his fights. You know, uh, just take the Robert Whitaker one for example. You know, this guy came out in Southpaw, which he hasn't done all that much. And he was kicking the lead leg of uh, Whitaker while being in Southpaw with his right leg, right? With his lead leg and kicking it hard. Like, you know, Rob definitely felt those kicks. And it was just something that you don't really see all that often. The guy investing in it like that. And the guy who's not a natural uh, Southpaw in Jared. But then you also saw in the next fight against um, Gaslam, he fights almost like the whole fight in, in, in the Southpaw stance, if I remember correctly, or very, very extended periods. Um, and, and is be and he's able to uh I think he is deliberate to be able to land both his hands with power, right? And to bring that uh specifically that right hand, the right hook, which he dropped uh he dropped um Kelvin with um, you know, bring it closer to his target. And, you know, against Jared, I thought, you know, obviously he started a little slow. I think he was respecting the takedown threat of Jared. Um, you know, he did get dropped there. You know, and I thought that was one where he was trying to get the round back or, you know, trying to end the round strong, maybe is a better way to put it. Um, and then kind of overextend and got too close. And, you know, Jared was able to to land. Uh, I don't remember if it was a left hand or a right hand, but it was kind of like almost like an angled shot. Like Jared was moving off to, or uh, Derek was moving off to the side. And then he came out, man, in that second round, you know, he, he, he put that backhand, you know, on him, which is a very underrated strike. I'll tell you, Martian. I remember I sparred with a guy. He's probably like six three, six four, like um, like Izzy is. And this motherfucker hit me with one of the backhands, and dude, that shit will break your jaw very easily. You know, not saying that that's what's happened, but anyway, you know, and he was throwing, you know, elbows in the clinch, like just a very dangerous guy, very strong, you know, strikes that he throws out there. Um, and he's gonna be the first guy who can actually match, I think, Izzy in terms of maybe not the technique, maybe not the speed of him. But the force of the leg kicks and the um, willingness to very much invest in those leg kicks, right? Most of the guys that Izzy has fought, like uh, Whitaker and, you know, um, uh, Vittori, you know, some of these guys, um, you know, they, they, they weren't kicking with the kicker. And I kind of talk about that very often. And you saw that in that last in the last fight we broke down, Max Holloway and Volkanovski, it, it, it definitely changed the, the aspect of the second fight. Even with Volk having a lot of success that he did with the kicks, Max kicking with the kicker um, and, and, and investing in the leg kicks, you know, uh, brought him up a level and, and, and even that fight out a bit more um, in terms of that. And, you know, Jared's got ferocious leg kicks. Um, I think the main issue here is in space. Sometimes he gets a little lost in the sauce and nobody's got, uh, you know, nobody whips up a better sauce than Izzy, obviously on the outside, but against Whitaker, man, he was getting pushed up against the fence on, on, on a few occasions. You know, I saw Jared, you know, wrestling a little bit. I don't really think he's going to be getting clean takedowns here on, on, um, on Izzy. Um, you know, Izzy's been talking about potentially going for submissions, you know, looking to submit Jared, which, I mean, it's 16 to 1. It's been priced at 16, 18, 20 to 1 in multiple of his, uh, you know, recent fights. Um, and the guy doesn't have a submission on his record, obviously. Um, so it's probably appropriate. But uh, he has been talking about the submission. Um, I just think that, man, like, 
I don't know if I'm a hater against these Australian and New Zealand guys like Volkanovski and Izzy, but I mean, I watched that Whitaker fight and like, yeah, he dropped Whitaker in the, I think it was the first round, maybe the second round. I don't remember what it was. I think first. Um, but uh, after that, like the guy that, he, I mean, he didn't really do that. Like, I don't know. He didn't really take control of that fight all that much. And I don't think Jared, like Jared knows this is the only title shot he's ever getting in my opinion. And I, I just don't think he's going to stay on the outside and let Izzy just jab and leg kick him and, you know, uh, skirt around like like Vittori was doing and stuff like that, or um, like he was doing against Vittori. But like you saw, he was putting his back against the fence uh, multiple times against Vittori, and he gave up, you know, a, a, a few positions against Whitaker. But in that Whitaker fight, there's he doesn't land more than 20 strikes in any of the rounds, significant strikes in, in any of the rounds. And I don't really think that's going to be I don't think that's a replicatable uh, game plan. I'm assuming he'll come in with a different kind of game plan. But, I mean, I'm usually always trying to look to the dog side. But I just feel scared maybe, like, here, if this keeps continuing to go up, like, even if it's maybe not pre-fight, like a live bet, maybe a small one, you know, on him. Because the guy's got good cardio as well. And I think he could go the full five. Um, but I'm just concerned potentially about just Izzy finding the big strike because he's going to connect. He's quick. You know, he, he, he mixes in the kicks as well, very well to the head and to the body. Um, but I think there is a little bit of value on, oh my God, as we speak, I'm seeing the Stoli Renko line got nuked. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to pick Izzy. Wow. That, that's disappointing, but I'm going to pick Izzy here. Um, but I think it's going to be a more competitive fight than a lot of people are giving credit for. Yeah, that is fucking crazy. Pretty big action all of a sudden. Huge move. Huge move. The fucking syndicates just gave it out. DraftKings is the best line. Um, okay, so main event. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have as much faith in Canada as he does. And to, to do a little MMA math to start the analysis here, right? Um, you know, we saw Whitaker, you know, get, you know, the, the best of the striking against Cannoneer, you know, as that fight went on, really started to bust him up, you know, hurt him with that head kick, dropped him, uh, apparently broke his arm from kicks in that fight, uh, you know, and, and Whitaker, you know, was clearly the better striker than Cannoneer in that fight. And then you see Whitaker against a guy like Adesanya, it, and it's just crazy how, how well Adesanya limits the exchanges and dictates where the striking takes place. And I mean, it's not the most exciting style, but I mean, I say this a lot. I mean, his the way it's the risk mitigation and the risk adverse strategy. Uh, you know, you got to admire it because he he just he decides exactly where uh, you know the strikes are taking place. He knows where everything is coming from at all angles, and it's just almost impossible to to catch this guy with with a, a big shot that he doesn't see coming. His strikes are, or his his striking is just at that high level. I mean. Um, you know, he's been caught a few times. Gastelum caught him. Maybe uh, Jan Blachowicz caught him with some good punches. Maybe once in a while, Whitaker got in there. But, I mean, the way he was able to shut down Whitaker, you know, it, it's just really impressive to me. Uh, I mean, I was re-watching that fight. And, you know, watching it live, I thought maybe uh, Whitaker won two rounds. I, but re-watching it, man, I kind of think Whitaker only won one round, the last round, the fifth round. And I thought Izzy was in control up until that point. His takedown defense is getting better. And to me, I see Whitaker and Vittori as better and more reliable wrestlers than Cannoneer. And neither of those guys were really able to establish meaningful control after they got their few brief takedowns. So I just don't see Cannoneer getting uh, meaningful control with his takedowns either. Um, 
And, you know, the leg kicks are going to be there for Israel. The jab is going to be there. And to me, I just don't think Cannoneer is his striking defense is, is good at all. I mean, I think he he's a lethal offensive striker, got power in his hands, really skilled kicker, actually. But his defense is just not up to par. And, and Adesanya is the rare striker where he's not only a lethal offensive striker, but he also has tremendous defense. And I just feel the defense, the experience, the, the size for Adesanya and the five-round experience is going to be big for him. We did see Cannoneer go five rounds one time against Gastelum. He did manage to lose two rounds to Gastelum as well. And I know Israel did technically lose two rounds as well to Gastelum. But I don't know, man. Gastelum is a very basic striker. I don't think it's a good sign that Cannoneer lost those rounds uh, to, to Gastelum in the striking. And, uh, you know, I just think Cannoneer is drawing extremely thin here. I mean, he's going to need a knockout. I mean, there's no other, there's no other way around it is he needs, needs a knockout. Uh, he, he doesn't have the striking to win three out of five rounds. He doesn't have the grappling to, to, win three out of five rounds or get a submission. I mean, he has to catch uh, Israel with a punch and I don't see it happening. Um, so it, it's going to be uh, an Israel. I'm actually contemplating this decision versus knockout because we haven't had an Israel knockout in a while. And I feel like with the damage, the cannoneer, you know, showed in round three versus Whitaker, this shit could get really dicey in rounds three, four and five for cannoneer. I mean, especially if Izzy is limiting the mobility with his legs, uh, with the leg kicks, I think, you know, three, four, five cannoneer could be a sitting duck. I mean, I think he's going to be drawing it extremely thin uh in these later rounds so man uh, i was initially leaning goes the distance here but now i'm off it I i'm i'm thinking uh adesanya three four five maybe you know those round i think those props are you know 10 to 1 14 to 1 18 to 1 something like that um yeah 10 to 1 for round three 16 to 1 for round two and 22 to round one for round five you know i i think those are the stabs to have here um and, uh, you know, that'll do it. That'll do it, Ozzy. Um, that'll be our, our, our analysis for this one. It's time for our best bet parlay. I've been slacking a couple weeks in a row. You've been cashing. I've been slacking, losing Three in tickets. a row. Um, Three so in a maybe row. You guys, maybe you guys want to just, uh, just, just, uh, just tell Ozzy's side or maybe have some faith and, uh, you know, and trust me one more time. Um, what is your bet? No, no, no. You first? go first. Should I start? Okay. Mine is. The main event to start round four at minus one sixty-five. Um, that that says that this fight ends in the first three rounds, uh, something like 39 percent of the time. I think that's that's too too high. Um, so I'll take starts round four minus one sixty-five. What is yours? Yes, yeah, so I had a hard time picking this. I honestly, I mean, uh, Stolia Stanko uh was was Senko was was in consideration but I can't do it now. I mean someone I don't know someone's listening someone was saw in my, my dissertation that I posted earlier and sent it out. I don't know what happened there. I'm gonna go with a money line because that's the kind of guy I am and I was leaving it between two picks that you know they're kind of scary Gabe Green and Brad Riddell scary picks. Last time I I, I made a pick on a Jalen Turner fight was the over one and a half against Malarkey, and he cooked that one, you know, uh, in in the second round. But I'm gonna go against the grain here, and I'm actually gonna take the Gabe Green side. Um, you know, I, mm. where, I don't know where you want to put Interesting. it. Interesting. I don't know where you want to put it. Mm, should I do that one? I'm gonna go with Brad Riddell. I'm sticking with Brad Riddell. Oh, uh, I, I flipped the it. curve. I flip. I, just because I was thinking, I flipped it. 
I'm going Brad Riddell, money line. Give it to me, plus 125, plus 130, whatever it is. Give me that. Um, just because, I mean, there's some other money line, but I feel like that one is the best mix of confidence, value in the number, and then the matchup. All three, those are the, what I look at when I'm when I'm picking, you know, something like that and likelihood of winning as well, right? I don't want to pick a two, plus two. You know, I want to pick Uriah Hall. So, yeah, I'll go with Brad Riddell uh, to win. Money on. That'll come out to plus 261. Starts round four, minus 165. Riddell, plus 125, plus 261 parlay. And yeah, I mean, this is a card where it's a, it's a pay-per-view card. I feel like it's getting some public action. You know, there's no uh, NBA, NHL, or NFL on right now. And, you know, there aren't a whole lot of sports to bet on. And I feel like, you know, as a result Very of that, we're point. seeing some of these, these, these uh, favorites get steamed and, you know, you know, we could we could have the potential to look wrong, you know, saying that we're fading the market on a lot of these picks. But, man, I feel like there's these favorites are getting steamed out of control on this card um, on all cylinders. So, uh, you know, let's hope the dogs bark. You know, the dogs typically don't bark on these pay-per-views, but let's fucking hope we get some. Uh, what is that word that Yanni the Greek always says? Some. Uh, um, what's the uh, re- re- regression? Regression. Yeah, yeah, regression. 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 Yeah, yeah, let's fucking go. We need some regression on this bitch. Um, but that'll do it. You know, uh, solid pay-per-view fight night or solid pay-per-view card going down this weekend. Uh, any closing thoughts, you guys? No, not that much, but I got some bangers, some some nice ones that I think I'm dropping soon in terms of uh, future cards. But I'm excited. All underdogs for the most part. I don't think I'm laying one one cent of chalk on any of these uh any of these sides. So you know, pray for me. Good strat, good strat. All right, thanks for listening for everyone. Make sure you're uh, subscribing uh, on YouTube, following us on Twitter. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Hope you all win some bets this weekend, and we'll see you all before the next card next week. Peace out, everybody.